Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. If you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10. That's podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. And now to the top analysis of today's markets. Is bad news good news? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Tony Greer, editor of the Morning Navigator newsletter. Hi, Tony. How you doing? I'm good, Maggie. How are you doing today? I'm okay. I'm okay for a Tuesday. And um, looks like everybody else is feeling okay, too. We had an update for stocks, both the NASDAQ and the S&P up over 1%. Looks like they actually might have ended um, sort of with the strongest levels of the day. Bond yields lower, the dollar lower after some weak jobs data. What's top of mind for you this Tuesday? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, to me, it's the market is sort of working its way out of a waterfall that we just traded into, right? The market to me was... Um, Tense about a couple of things, including Japan relaxing yield curve control, including the Fitch downgrade of U.S. debt. In my opinion, that that had a direct effect on the bond market. I don't care what anybody says. Um, but neither of those things should have been fatal for the U.S. stock market, and neither of them were. Right, middle of August, we saw a dip to forty-three fifty. Um, in the S and P, right into moving average support, we saw a VIX spike to nineteen. We saw our yield curve flatten, two-year yields rise above 5%, all the typical panic type stuff. Mm. And we worked our way out of that, right? We saw selling, we saw a pullback into moving averages. We saw sentiment go from, you know, extreme fear back to, you know, negativity and a little, excuse me, from greed back to neutral, back to a little bit of fear in the markets. And we bounced out of that. You know, that's traditionally when you should be buying stocks and things are no different on this breakout rally. Um, you know, technology, everybody wanted to sell NVIDIA, you know, call it a high after they printed their third quarter earnings and the stock traded up above $500 and had an outside day down and things like that. Um, but NVIDIA still had a 6%, two back-to-back 6% gains, right? Last week and the week before. So that rally clearly isn't over just yet. It had another... So I think another really strong rally today. I think it was almost a two sigma rally today. Um, but we're rallying sharply behind tech as rates fall, right? That's something that we've seen before, something that we've discussed, you know, here. And today we got really, really dramatically important closes with the NASDAQ and S&P back up above their 50-day moving average while the VIX just melts down below its 50-day moving average below 15. And you know, it looks like the plunge pool is over and we might go back to bull market rally mode. So we'll see what happens next, Maggie. But that's what it's looking like as of today's close. Yeah, it's funny. And it that the, the NVIDIA, so many people, you're right, we're calling the top and sounding bearish. And there are people who still just think that this tech rally is overdone. But every time someone's tried to move on that, 
they've just gotten killed. Yeah, there's no follow through on the downside, right? There's no big reversal to NVIDIA where it goes from, you know, that new high and then trades negative and trades into a hole and everybody's getting out. That's not the story. There's still a lot more money flow coming into that name, coming into the sector. And if you look at, you know, where NVIDIA has been beating the crap and, you know, eating the lunch of their opponents, um, you know, you can see why, you know, they just put up like a $16 billion quarter and um, that's tough to beat when, when nobody else is putting up numbers like that. It's all yeah. in their AI division. So we'll see, you know, stocks, everybody on the street still raising prices on it. So the, the chase is still on. The religion is still intact, as they say. So, so we have, uh, uh, as you say, the NASDAQ, I think you sent a NASDAQ chart over the NASDAQ on this little winning streak. Now it seems to be rebounding from that. Does it feel like it's sustainable? Like, how are you feeling about sentiment around this? Now we are in this kind of end of August week. We were just joking before we came on air that a lot of people feel like summer's over, but you know, you know, you do have those, that last push of people who are out for the holidays globally, people tend to be plugging back in in earnest, you know, after we get into September. But how's it feel? Like when you look at that chart, how are you feeling about this rally? Well, when I see that, you know, NVIDIA reports a quarter like that and it doesn't tip the NASDAQ over, rather, you know, starts fueling it, I get pretty excited about what's going on. You know, today the leadership is all big tech again. I mean, we got Facebook, Google, Apple, Intel up over 2%, Tesla and NVIDIA up over 5% today. So, you know, then you have today is just a typical day where you've got basic materials that joins in with the rally. And then the next thing, it's every sector is up and to the right. You know, today you had basic materials join into the tech rally behind a lot of the steel stocks were strong today. Um, we saw nearly two sigma rallies in home builders and the Russell and in consumer discretion, consumer discretionary. That's pretty wide participation, you yeah. know, on a day that the S&P is regaining a moving average. It's kind of, to me, the market looking around saying, you know, as the coast is clear, it looks like we're going to get back into rally mode. And for me, when things go what I call blue sky trading, when they trade into the moving averages and then recover them within the context of a bull market, those are resumption of trend moves to me. And those are moves that I like to go with. So I think that this type of move is sustainable. I, I remain pretty bullish in stocks. And, uh, you know, we're going to see what the rest of the year has in store. But it sure looks like we're going to have a lot more of tech leadership with some type of natural resource participation, if that's fair to say, Maggie. So, mm -hmm. you know, all systems look okay for the S&P from here on out. Yeah. Um, Bo has a question. It's a good one. Um, Tony, was today's action more of bad news moving rate cut expectations closer or simply the dangers of holding short positions. I, I just want to, for those who may have missed it, so we did have some jolts, job data out. It showed job openings declining to their lowest level in, I think, two years. We're going to get more news on the labor market on Friday. I believe we have a jobs number on Friday. I don't know. What do you think, Tony? Is it is it is it about rates still? Is that the driver? Or is it just people who got maybe caught up and on the wrong side of those short positions? Yeah, that's what it feels like. You know, people are dying to take shots at the S&P because they're so afraid of the U.S. economy, you know, and I totally get that. But the data isn't indicating that the economy is going into a hole, whether it's real, whether it would, no matter what, you know, that's the data is the data that the market trades off of. So, you know, people are skeptical about the data. People are skeptical about why the data has been so, you know, slightly positive, I guess it's fair to say, which is mm -hmm. why rates have been driving higher. Um you know, to me, it's kind of we're back into that phase where we can handle higher yields because the 
economic strength is there. You know, and I'm not saying the economy is going like gangbusters at all, but we're certainly not seeing recessionary evidence. And if yields can ratchet higher during that, that's usually when the stock market can bear higher yields when you see the economy, you know, going along alongside it. And so, you know, I feel like we could be set up for, you know, one of those years like 16, 17 or 2000, I guess, 11 and 12, where rates grinded higher, the economy got a little bit stronger and the S&P rallied sharply. So I'm, I don't, um, you know, I'm not taking shots at the bear side of this market in any stretch, by any stretch of the imagination. I've been writing since before NVIDIA earnings that I was posturing to get into the tech rally if I could. And I just feel like I didn't get a good enough dip to get into it. Um, but I bought some other things on the dip, like as usual kind of marching procedure when we get an S&P waterfall. And some of that stuff is starting to perform a little bit better now. So we'll see what happens. But I feel like that was a run of the mill episode that we just had lasted several weeks, cleared out a lot of longs, took sentiment from wildly positive right back to neutral, if not negative. And like I said, right back to the point where like all of the wise guys want to take a shot at the S&P every time it shows signs of weakness mm. and they turn around and wind up buying in their shorts back when nothing collapses. So that's kind of very much the mode that I've been in and remain in through this dip and probably through the next one too. I'm an S&P bull. Yeah. So uh, it, it is going to get really interesting because we know, so we had Jackson Hole last week. We know the Fed is data dependent. Um, Andreas had a conversation with Danielle DiMartino Booth and Dennis Lockhart after uh, just this week. It's just dropped on the platform and uh, yesterday. And they were kind of, you know, talking about this. And of course, everyone trying to figure out that inflation story, right? The growth and inflation story. And, you know, is there a sweet spot and a balance or do we need to worry about resurging inflation? And uh, Danielle brought up a really, really interesting point about looking at this through a global lens. Let's have a listen to what she said and we'll talk on the other side. I think it is because the United States economy does not exist in a vacuum. So to suggest that the third largest exporting nation in the world, Germany, is in recession, they've just had some revisions that have given them a third consecutive quarter of, of contraction. We, we see what's happening in China. China's exporting deflation. I don't think that we can discount that effect. Can we quantify it? Well, heavens no. But, but I don't think by, by the same regard that we can dismiss what's happening in, in China and the fact that it looks as if the Chinese government right now has the sufficient stimulus to help their domestic economy, but not the world at large, as was the case with uh, the most recently, the 2015-2016 industrial recession. So we're not going to have some large commodity super cycle break out right now because of what's happening in China. And that's why we're seeing West Texas Intermediate below $80 today and two weeks in a row. Global demand is what I'm saying is going to play into what happens. 40% of US uh, S&P 500 components, they, they, they get their revenues overseas. Uh, so we have to be um, mindful that the idea, every time the economics community, mostly on the sell side, says, oh, it's a great decoupling. It, well, we've heard this before. And decouplings tend to last for as, about as long as the narrative lasts. And then it goes away again because we are a globally connected, interdependent economy. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Danielle, of course, one of the great Fed watchers out there. And Lockhart was a former Atlanta Fed president. So it was a really fantastic conversation they had. To hear the whole thing or any of our other content, hit the links uh, or hit the QR code um, and figure out how to join our community. Um, so, Tony, I mean, it, it, we, we have been talking about China a lot because that weakness there, everybody kind of wondering what that means for global growth. Is it an offset to the U.S.? And also what it means for commodity prices. Um, you know, is that on your radar? Are you, are you, you know, what are you thinking about inflation these days? Yeah, the, yeah, the China story and the inflation story are a little bit different, but I can see how they're intertwined. Um, you know, China slowing down is what kind of punches all of my energy longs in the face when the market should be rallying, you know, and then you get some weak data out of China and oil sags four or five dollars or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that does play into the trading landscape without a doubt. Um, inflation, and from my perspective, we have politically structural inflation, right? It's it's embedded into our economy now. We're, you know, we're moving toward net zero, 2030, and all of the associated plans with that. So that right there is structural inflation. And unless that turns around, we're going to have, you know, fits and starts of, you know, battling sort of brush fires in inflation where it's going to pop up and then back off again. So I do think that we're in for a more periods of sort of, you know, rising and more persistent inflation. The Fed just did a great job of getting it off of the highs of, you know, eight, nine percent back down to what are we what handles are we on now? I'm losing track three, four percent, yes, I guess, CPI. Yeah. So in my opinion, that's probably where it's going to level off. Like I'm not expecting it to go back to two percent while we're trying to transition to net zero because the math doesn't work. Right. You know, it's it's the same way that if we're going to, you know, it seems like, you know, copper can't really collapse because of inventories being so low and the demand of, you know, the transition to battery powered everything. The math doesn't work. Right. So that's why copper doesn't collapse and why aluminum and base metals don't collapse. So I'm kind of the same way um, with the net zero movement and, you know, the fact that, you know, we've got all kinds of executive orders against drilling for fossil fuels. So if we're going to continue to do that, that that to me is just going to cause more inflate more bouts with inflation rather than less. And just from a sort of trader standpoint, you expect this to be the level that CPI possibly levels off and then you know starts ticking higher. The bond market looks like it wants to anticipate that. If you ask me, the bond market is always sort of anticipating a little bit more inflation from areas that I can't really identify lately. Mm -hmm. You know, when when rates are spiking and things like that, but. I think that that's the real danger. And I think that the bond market, you know, being down for the third consecutive year in a row, you know, which is a total anomaly in the bond market, I feel like that's part of the story, right? Is that inflation is persistent and, you know, the bond market can't bear it year in, year out. So that's yeah. what we're seeing. I, and that's I love my opinion. Your, I love the, that, the way you described it, like brush fires. I think that's really, really apropos because it is these uh, kind of flare-ups, but it's been creating a lot of volatility in the bond market. Add to that, people are trying to figure out, so you've got the, if 
from the demand side, the sort of, you know, structural story and then some of the other cyclical things that are going on. Right. And now sure. you also have, you have to worry about supply and that that's sort of feeding into your, 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 the, the comments you made about the green energy movement that those like larger narratives are affecting supply. We also today, if you, if you're looking at any oil headlines, we're talking about a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico. Whenever we get into this season happens every year, but we always worry about they're temporary, but we worry about supply shocks or refineries going off or, you know, they're evacuating platforms. So, you know, that, that in the short term is going to make it a little tricky to read through, isn't it? Yeah, well, gasoline inventories are still, you know, kind of at the low end of five-year averages. We just had a huge uh, refinery fire at the Marathon, at a Marathon Petroleum uh, refinery. That that sort of keeps the markets nervous and on edge. Um, I won't say that 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 fire itself tightened spreads, but calendar spreads had been sort of tightening into that. And then you have the headlines like, you know, fired at a refinery, and the market just sort of is very tense on headlines like that. I think that's the reason why, you know, oil has been hanging in and around 80, where it likes these prices rather than, you know, two months ago where it liked the prices around $70. Yeah. You know, so the market market's a little bit tighter. Gas prices are a little higher. Diesel is bid again. So, you know, the complex is coming to life. You know, I won't say that it's, uh, it looks like it's set to go a hundred bid any day, right. In any immediate future, but at least, um, from a bull market perspective, you can visibly see the markets tightening up. You're seeing inventory draws, calendar spreads tightening, the price staying bid. So I can stay an oil bull from these levels with no problem at all. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think it was Geo when we were talking to him yesterday, kind of commented that given how negative the news is out of China, it's surprising to some that you haven't seen oil actually lower, that it's been holding in because that 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 news has been should have been super negative for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's been amazing, Maggie, is like you look at all this negative economic data, whether whether it's weak number here, weak data in China and you look at gasoline demand and it doesn't budge. It doesn't budge at all. You know what I mean? So that's kind of the story that's been, I guess, the conflicting story that 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 has been coming across the tape. You know, yep. it kind of keep it keeps oil from running away, keeps oil and gasoline from running away, and kind of just keeps a very measured move on the markets. It's it's really hard to navigate the China story for me. You know, I try to stay on local soil and kind of just keep an eye on what they're doing in terms of you know make sure that the China demand is there broadly speaking, and that there's not too much chicanery in the markets. But things look like the market can be fairly constructive and and stay on its feet from here. That's for sure. So we're getting a lot of comments about your headphones. People are really digging these headphones, Tony. Really? I like being really plugged in. I feel like you're sitting like right next to me and now everybody can hear me with my new microphone that we've got. So hopefully we'll be in really good audiovisual shape going forward. I know. I feel like it's completely appropriate because, um, I mean, you don't DJ. We know Jared does. I don't think you do, but we know you're a music nut. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no spinning wheels over here for me. I just kind of bang away at the guitar every once in a while. Um, and we, we keep threatening there will, there will be some band performance at some event. We're going to get, we're going to get all you talented multitasking people together. Um, wanted to ask you if you noticed the move in Bitcoin today. So, uh, Bitcoin had a big move up 7%. Coinbase was up 14%. This was after a U.S. court of appeals ruled in favor of Grayscale, saying the SEC could not deny the company's application to convert Grayscale Bitcoin trust into an ETF. That's a very long way of saying a lot of people think that ruling could help start to pave the way uh, for a spot Bitcoin ETF. I mean, that's the holy grail. Everybody keeps hoping it's coming. Obviously, it's a long, bumpy road. 
but I was sort of move in the right direction. But boy, you saw uh, prices rebound. I'm wondering if it was that as much as it was just this risk on appetite, uh, you know, back again. Is is that more? Is that area of the market getting interesting to you? You know, it's fairly interesting. Like, it's not. I, I still think that there are a thousand better trades on the board than than chasing Bitcoin around. You know, I mean, after all, after this three sigma seven percent rally that we saw today on the great news. Bitcoin has afforded itself a rally into the middle of the recent 25, 35 range, right? Give or take. So I would have thought it would have been up a little bit more, to be quite honest, after this headline. But at least it's going in the right direction. It's, it's testing moving averages on the upside. And if it can get through there, great. But it just happens today to be like a sort of feather in the risk on cap. Right. If you're, you know, you want to trade things from the long side, especially tech, it's helpful to look over and see Bitcoin rallying 5%. You know, it's just kind of an, an animal spirit igniter at some level. You're like, if people are buying Bitcoin, then, you know, I oh, can probably hell, buy, you know, <laughs> yeah, I could probably buy semiconductors up 1% and make some money, which, you know, turned out to be totally possible today. And, uh, you know, things like that. Today was just a case of the technology boat, including Bitcoin and big tech lifted all the rest of the boats. You know, there was a lot of energy in negative territory early this morning, um, aerospace and defense, consumer staples, and they all balanced, they all bounced to settle in the black today. And, you know, just, just pure index driven gravity at that point. So. Uh, interesting. Um, Alex is commenting, uh, wheat prices are killing me back to 2020 prices as if there's no, no war in Ukraine. Yeah, don't ask me questions about the grain market. I am I've become purely a spectator. I'm afraid to even it's comment hard. on it. It's hard. Oh man. It, there have been two spikes. Yeah, exactly. There have been two it, spikes. Yeah, and they it came right back down, right? There have been two spikes this year that have looked like, you know, the charts both look like you're like, wow, we might be set up for an unbelievable grain market. And they got clobbered as fast as they rallied. Both of them. And so when you see things like that, that's just like hands off. You know, I do not have a good handle on what's going on and much less of an edge. So I'm not trading anything in the green space. It's a tough one. For those of you who don't, um, check out Ms. Schneider. Uh, if you, Alex, if you're, if you're thinking about it, uh, she is a longtime um, trader in and follower of food prices uh, and always has a lot to say about that. Um, I would tell you to go look on the platform, but you got to stay really current because she, you know, she'll be short-term and in and out. Um, but if you hit her up on uh, on uh, Twitter X, whatever we're calling it, I always have to hesitate. It's going to be really hard for me to get get my wrap my head around that, Tony. Um, yeah. If you if you um, if you message her, she'll probably respond to you. She's awesome about doing that, um, and that's always. Uh, all the food commodities are always on her radar. So just, a, and for those of you who are want to dig into the Bitcoin story as well, we're going to have much more on that, the distillery, um, which is going to be live tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern. So if you want to get a handle on how much of it's really about that and how much of it is just maybe it moving in line with risk assets, um, the, the team's going to break it down on the distillery. So I would encourage you to um, go check that out. Kevin asking, are smaller cap semis starting to look more interesting since the risk on news of the day? Yeah, they're going to get bit up, you know, with the sector. If, uh, you know, if NVIDIA is going to fly again and semis and tech and everything is going to start getting on its horse, then I would imagine that they can participate smaller cap semis too, um, you know, and and all the various sectors, subsectors of tech in, in varying degrees like we saw today. So, you know, you can pick the horse that you want to be on, but if the NASDAQ recovers, you know, all the moving averages again and NVIDIA didn't collapse after reporting, you know, world record breaking third quarter sales, 
it feels like the tech rally is pretty sustainable to me. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Uh, we had a really interesting question for those who were, this is, it's just on everyone's mind, isn't it, Tony? Because so many people are sitting on such nice gains and they just don't want to lose it. They don't want to watch that get drawn down. But they're, for this very reason, every time somebody tries to get out of it, then you got to worry about getting back in it. It's a tough one, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, tech's tricky. You know, we had that big drawdown last year and I feel like nobody in retail even flinched. You know, we had a huge down year in tech. Everybody's Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple got all beat up and I don't feel like retail flinched. Like I had all, all everybody that I was writing bearishly about tech last year saying, oh, everything's going to be fine. And they were right, you know, so they wound up getting bailed out by the, you know, NVIDIA religion that took over, you know, as a new tech craze and, and really helped turn the markets around quite a bit um, and rallied them right through a rising rate regime, which is really, really interesting. So, and another sign of S&P strength that you have to be really, really careful about. But yeah, it, it's been difficult to know when to be into tech, but you just have to know that, you know, this is where the animal spirits come and what the market wants to buy. You know, they, they see the most upside potential in that. I mean, look at some of the NVIDIA price targets. I think people have $1,000 price targets already on it, which is a double from last sale. You know, so that, that's what gets portfolio managers excited. And that's where all the action is. So, yeah, now it's just going to be a matter of tactically timing your trades right. You know, making sure that you're not piling into the, you know, to the high flying momentum moves when they get way stretched beyond moving averages. You know, that's usually a sign of to, that when you should make sales, when sentiment is all positive and stocks are trading that way. And then we'll get a chance to buy them back. I mean, there's going to be plenty of waterfalls to trade in this stock rally. But to me, the market is behaving very much like it's in secularly good order. I think it's just really important to just to to stop to just make an observation, which uh, I know we talk about. But um, you know, a lot of people think like, "Oh, Tony's an oil bull," or is that you? You are agnostic about all of this stuff. Like when you're when you're listening to you talk about tech, if it's moving and it's you like the way it looks on the chart and you like the way the market looks then you're going to buy that. Like, I think it's very important because people get super tribal about stuff. And I think you just illustrated, like you have to be so flexible about this. Yeah, you do. You know, my, I, I kind of look upon it as my job to, to be guiding my clients into the sectors that are going to be performing, whether it's for a month at a time or quarters at a time or whatever their time frame is. And when you put the pressure on yourself to do that, you have to move money towards the things that are going, you know, and move some money towards the things that are working. You know, and, and whether your view is bullish oil, that's nice and interesting. But if semis get going again, you've got to be postured to buy those, you know, and we were postured to buy them on the dip and it guess it worked out well. I won't say that I recommended, you know, inhaling tech on the dip, but I went from being bearish at the highs saying, you know, we had a sentiment bubble here and maybe it pulls back to saying I'm no longer bearish. We got the pullback into moving averages and I'd love to buy it. I'd just love to buy it cheaper. 
And so I kind of feel like we're in step with the markets and it's just haven't been maybe aggressive enough, uh, aggressive enough to go out with a big, you know, everyone buy tech call because I see everybody else doing that. Yeah. But yeah, if you know, if you have the onus on you to say, I have to be in the sectors that are performing and you watch what's performing every day, week, month, quarter and year, you know, you start to move your money towards them as they go rather than watching the whole move happen, you know, so yeah. that, that's kind of the onus is on me to do that. And that's what I try really hard to do. Yeah, I think it's a good lesson for everyone because you can you can tell that people are like even in the questions sometimes I can tell that people have gotten kind of pretty married to, to the to the particular narrative that they're asking about and you really everybody just, everybody gets a market axe to grind right at yeah some point. exactly exactly so um, green avocado is asking decent move on silver what are your thoughts on precious metals over the next few months we've got a couple <sighs> questions about gold as well. Yeah, I mean, I have them sort of in the caboose of natural resources performance. You know, um, gold stocks have just broken down. You know, they're below all the moving averages again. It's nice to see gold hold 1900, but now gold stocks are just bouncing into resistance. And I really don't get that excited to buy them. Mm. You know, I still think that there are other sectors of the material space and the natural resources space, you know, like refineries, um, like steel stocks and things like that, that are better that would be better for your portfolio for the next sort of several months. You know, so I'm kind of looking at that. The gold stocks like the caboose, silver is certainly, you know, putting in a nice move, nice bounce off the bottom of a channel. Um, if I'm reading the chart right, uh, I don't really chase silver around either. It's another, uh, to me, that's kind of a rich man's casino. And it's really sort of, uh, you know, wagged by a lot of flow that I don't have an edge on anymore since I'm not sitting in a, a precious metals trading desk seat. So I kind of avoid trading the individual precious metals and try to stick to the stocks. But I'm not in a uh, I'm not in a position to be long gold stocks anymore. I've tried that trade from the long side this year. It didn't really work, um, and they're just not you know they're not set up to rally, in my opinion. And I do think gold is okay to buy down here. I just don't get excited to buy the stocks if I'm looking for performance. Yeah, and that's a, that's another thing. You know, you can be neutral on something. There's just a better trade, right? You're trying yeah. to look for the best trades, and a lot of people don't want to have too many on because then you got to pay attention to all of them. So, you know, like really concentrating on the ones that are going to do well is another form of restraint that yeah, you got to have. So. Doug yeah. asking, can we have a tech rally and a gold rally at the same time? Sure. Sure. Uh, gold seems to be responding to rates going lower this time. Gold is definitely responding to that. At least it stopped selling off. So I don't see why we can. I don't I don't ever have any set correlations in my mind. I mean, we just had a year where the dollar went up and commodities went up, you know, like they they uh consistency is a moving target comes to mind right now. It's kind of like, you know, correlations work until they don't and none of them are forever. So that's why I don't necessarily think that, you know, falling rate or I, I don't necessarily think that you can have a tech rally and a gold rally at the same time because you can. Yeah, and a lot of the rules that people th used to think were in play have we've kind of had to toss them all out the window. Um, Everything's and, gone out the window. Yeah. Brent, Brent Donnelly made that point. He just didn't extend it with us. And he just said, listen, like if anybody tells you for sure, they're lying to you because there's just a lot of things that are hard to figure out. And we don't know how much of it is. Is it changed or is it just a sort of long lag of some of these extraordinary things we went through and everyone's trying to sift through it. Probably Brent's, the Fed too. So like, Brent's you know, always got a great angle. Yeah, right? I mean, I thought that was a really honest comment. Um, yep. A couple different people, you touched on this, I think, briefly, but a couple people asking about uh, nat gas. I want to take another look at it because I haven't looked at it in a, in a day or two, Maggie, but I don't really get excited about the chart. I mean, I guess it rallies back to the top of the range kind of thing. 
it looks like a $2.50 item to me. It looks like it's been a $2.50 item for the entirety of this year. Mm. Uh, all, all I can say is that when I see something that doesn't move and is stuck in the mud and looks like paint drying, I, I move on. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not going to sit here with a natural gas position on when there's absolutely nothing going on, nobody talking about it, and no price action to confirm that there's anything going on. So if I want to do that, I put my money in a shoebox and I'll put it at the end of my bed. And when I want it, I'll go get some. But if I'm looking to make money in the arena, at the casino, and on the trading desk, we got to find the stuff that's moving. You know, we got to find the stuff that's moving. You know, we got to find the things, you know, Bitcoin's moving today, semiconductors, great rally in home builders, XHB back up above all the moving averages again, you know, kind of defying gravity with rates rallying. We're seeing home construction stocks hold their rally. So that's a really interesting part of the market for me to keep an eye on. Industrial sector looks good. Airlines are cheap. You know, like there's a lot to pick away at rather than kind of, you know, um, being in natural gas where it looks like it's 250. You know what I mean? And if I look at it again and I look at it a week from now and it's still 250, then I definitely have no interest. I can't make money in 250. Now, and that's what we're all here to do. Yeah. Tony, we're, we're already out of time. I can't believe it. But, that was a um, half hour? Holy that smokes. That was a half they, hour. I know. Head, headphones by. make it go fast. I know. Your dulcet tones. We all like, uh-huh. oh my God, we just woke up and, it, and it's done. But um, but we love catching up with you. And thank you for, for pointing us to where all the action is so we can stay focused. I'm trying my best, Maggie. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks for the great questions, guys. We will be back. Yeah. Same time tomorrow. Uh, we have, I can't remember, but I'm off. Uh, I will see you back here Tuesday. I'm off for a couple of days, catching up on things, but Ash is going to be in the seat. Uh, and uh, so make sure you roll up and join us. In the meantime, everybody awesome. take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. 